0: Let's go. Okay. Well, we this is an emergency podcast.
1: This is an emergency. Uh, Kyrie Irving was just traded. Just, just traded. Like it's still fresh. Like the ink is still drying. To the Boston Celtics, <laughs>
0: and I haven't listened to any reporters talk about this. I haven't listened to any analysts. talk. I have read a few
1: articles. I, I didn't want to. I wanted Had a few to just conversations about stream it.
0: of consciousness. Just go right at it. Um, so, first off. What do you think about this? I mean, are you surprised that the the number two seed traded Kyrie Irving to the number one seed in the same conference?
1: I mean, I think it just speaks to the whole like the whole theme of, of why Kyrie wants to leave. It's like now it's gonna be Kyrie against LeBron. Because that was the main reason why Kyrie wanted to leave, because he no longer was able to mesh with LeBron. He no longer wanted to be the Lou brother. So now he goes to the team that's in contention with the Cavs and when you look at it who does Boston play on the very first night of the season they play Cleveland in Cleveland so it's like this is when you prove yourself so you wanted your team here's the keys let's go I was a little surprised
0: that Kyrie asked to be traded at all because I felt like especially in the last you know season and a half his role was very well defined and he was able to basically just showcase his talents and, you know, it, it, it's not like he wasn't a focal point of the offense. It's not like he he had to defer to LeBron a whole lot. I, I actually felt like LeBron allowed Kyrie to, you know, play his game, and LeBron could cover up any
1: parts that were not well-rounded enough to integrate with I the think, team. But I think that was the issue, and it's the way you just said it. LeBron allowed Kyrie, and that, I think that was the problem for Kyrie. It's like... I'm a great player as well. We have this transcendently great player in LeBron James who deserves all that he's getting, but hey, I'm over here as well. Like, when we were going, putting up historic numbers in the finals, 40 points in a game, I was right there with LeBron putting up 40 points too. When it came to LeBron getting a great end-of-the-game block on the Warriors, I was the one who came down and hit the dagger three to win, you know what I'm saying? So, and it's like Kyrie just, he just got tired of being in the very big shadow that LeBron cast, and I mean, yeah. for anybody of his of his stature to feel like your second fiddle, you 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 would be jealous too. And it's kind of hard to say, okay, well, my brother is here getting everything that he wants, and anytime he has a demand, it's it's gonna be met. But I'm over here putting in my work, doing the same things. Where is my pampering? You know what I'm saying? So now Kyrie gets to go to a situation all of his own. I mean, you have Golden Hayward there, you have. Al Harford, who's now one of the veterans of that team because 11 players from that team from last year are no longer on the roster. But now Kyrie has the keys to drive that franchise. It's going to start with the point guard, as we've seen last year with Isaiah Thomas, who Finishing was, games exactly was the engine of that team. Now Kyrie is going to go right into that same position with a team that I feel like offensively they got better, but I think they took a slight step back defensively, which may hurt them. But in today's NBA, I think offense trumps everything. Yeah. Like defense... Used to win games for you, but now when your offense is just scoring 120 points, there's no defense that can stop that. Right. So, so they lost Avery Bradley. They lost Crowder. And that's but, another point. That's another point. Sorry to cut you off, but my whole point was I felt like the Avery Bradley trade was just a little rushed because if you and it, it sort of reminded me of the no, the Noel trade from from Philadelphia. You have these parts, yeah. all these parts that you can choose from to ship out. They didn't get a lot of value in exchange. they didn't get a lot of value in exchange and they lost an intricate part of what they were doing Their identity. I, I felt like just like noel in philadelphia young athletic he wasn't a stretch the floor type of player but the players that they had stretched the floor over there he could have meshed with and be more than um okafor right so now when we look at avery bradley and what he does defensively and especially on the wing mm-hmm. where your team was most efficient who are you going to put on Steph Curry when you play them? Well, it's very natural
0: to Avery Bradley, and he's going to do as good a job as anybody can do. And so not that you're ever going to stop those high-powered offenses, but, you know, at least if you can have a guy like that to throw at him, you you, you stand a chance at making him work for it. Um, but back to Cleveland for a second. So everything we said about Kyrie wanting to not be in LeBron's shadow, it makes a lot of sense. But I think one big question is why right now? Because they were successful, they just won a championship a year ago, they got to the finals, it wasn't super competitive in the finals, but it's not like they should be at the end of their run, given everyone's age, given the roster they have, I mean, they definitely, you know, maxed out uh, salary-wise, and, you know, some of the bets they added didn't work, but I think one thing that's been talked about by Guys like Jalen Rose, was that there's a lot of rumors that LeBron is not thinking about Cleveland long term, and that Kyrie sort of jumped the gun knowing, hey, well, I've been forgotten about, I've been second fiddle in lots Uh of ways. I don't want my future to be second. Yes. And I want to make sure that, hey, if we're not here long term, well, why don't I start thinking long-term right now? Right now. And what's the best situation for me right now? Because uh, I don't think we can win a championship next year, frankly. It, it, it almost doesn't matter who we add. As good as we are, uh, this Golden State team is crazy. So if I'm not going to be here after next year,
1: what, what am I waiting around for? Exactly. And and not only that, is that... They I don't... should make a decision. Yes. <laughs> and that, that's, that's basically what he did. He took matters into his own hands. He said, I'm not going to sit here and wait for the LeBron domino to fall. like That's what I've been doing since LeBron came back. I've been waiting to see what LeBron wants. And also, I've been performing to the best of my abilities and all I hear is that we need more more playmakers. We need more, but what about what we have now? You're so busy focusing on what we can add from the outside that the focus is not here. And just different reports that's coming out about how Kyrie didn't speak to the team during, um, I think it was the second round of the playoffs, if I'm not mistaken, and just things of that nature. I think there's more there. Even when we've seen the issues with Shaq and Kobe, it wasn't anything on the court, so it's not anything that we can see. I think it's more of things that, you know what I'm saying, like, Things that we can't see or that we don't know about, that we're not privy to. There were a lot of rumors out there, and I don't want to spread any rumors about anything that's going on. But I think it's something deeper between LeBron and Kyrie that caused this split. Because you can't tell me that to have all success and be so successful together, and to, and then just one moment you say, "Let's just tear it all down." Right? It's, it's something deeper there that's you know what I'm saying that's driving Kyrie's decision, so to speak. A person, a personal incompatibility,
0: and you know, honestly. Both of these guys are playmakers, they're decision-makers on the floor. Uh, obviously, we're talking about all their decisions about their career and, and where they play. But on the floor, these are the guys that need the ball and yes. should have the ball and you know should be the primary decision-maker on the floor. And it's, it's just you can't really have two of them. It, because what happens is you have this switch-off. Okay, now it's your turn, or now it's my turn. And then late-game situation, it's like, well, whose turn is it? And there's a certain lack of fluidity and a lack of just sort of natural, we know what we're doing here. I mean, like, contrast that with Boston, right? Late-game situation, Isaiah Thomas gets the ball. There's no questions about it. This is what we do. And, you know, you don't have that sort of
1: awkwardness of, like, well, so are you going to go this time? Am I going to go this time? But that... That happens when you have no confidence in the rest of your team. Right. Because honestly at the end of a game, it shouldn't matter who makes the basket or where the points come from. It just matters that we get the points. And you should and have confidence enough in the system yes. and your, so and your guys times, on the floor that it doesn't matter. A lot of times players let their ego get in the way of the things right. of that of the things that are important to the team because they say, Oh well, I wanna take the last shot. And I think what happened is success can tear down a lot of bombs because I I feel like when Kyrie and LeBron was hungry together, chasing that ring for Cleveland, everything was together. They didn't worry about the dynamic, about who gets the ball first, who gets the ball last. Is that we need to get the ball so that we win a championship. Now, okay, I have the rings. I have the success. I've been to the pinnacle. Now, what's more important to me individually? And so the focus shifts. And so now you allow yourself to be selfish. And I think LeBron did that in his first decision when he decided to leave Cleveland to go chase the rings. And I think now Kyrie is saying, I I had the success. I've been successful. So now I can go and do what's best for Kyrie. I no longer have to worry about what's best for Cleveland and what's best for the team and what LeBron wants.
0: I think they still
1: had that
0: sort of ego-driven mentality on the court. Like when you go back to the championship that they did win, it's LeBron making the chase down block, It's Kyrie in an isolation one-on-one against Steph Curry to hit the game winner. It's a very 2005 Mm. offense and a very 2005 way of looking at. So how are we going to win this game? And you contrast that with the Golden State Warriors, right, who have this ultimate team scenario where everyone criticized Kevin Durant, right, because he's supposed to be top dog, he's supposed to be alpha, and he goes to this team where they are really the personification of, well, we have a lot of weapons, and I don't know who's going to hit the shot, but it doesn't really matter, because one of us is going to hit the shot, because we're going to move the ball, and we're going to hit the open guy, and some nights that's you, and some nights that's me, and we're all happy about it. So it seems like Cleveland never got to that point, even though they had all of the tools, and all of the skill and ability to be able to get there. At the end of the day, it was still, so am I going to take the shot, or are you going to take the shot? In a one-on-one fashion, in a so clear out, and LeBron's going to drive, or clear out, Kyrie's going to dance, and
1: <laughs> it's a very 2005 way of looking at I it. I think, but I think it, it is deeper questions that that are now asked. Like this opens a Pandora box, so to speak, about the things that the different scenarios and and what you can think about why it played out this way. And I feel like what if LeBron never really fully committed to Cleveland? Like, he's been there before. He knows what it takes to, to win there or how what to play there and, and to live in. He's just adapted to everything Cleveland. But it's like, what if LeBron was guilted into coming back to Cleveland and right. saying, well, I did go off and win championships in another place. But it's not that's, a great look. Exactly. So, so in order to <laughs> change my legacy, let me go back to Cleveland and let me fulfill his prophecy of winning a ring. And then now that that's over... It's like what more does LeBron owe the city? He he's fulfilled his prophecy. He's right. the king, the you know, highly touted, the greatest, you know what I'm saying, prospect to come out of Cleveland, a hometown kid, and to bring a championship to Cleveland. Right. And in, in, exactly. So it's monumental, but now it's like that love affair with Cleveland is now officially over. Like LeBron owes nothing to that city. He can walk away and say, I did what I came to do. And the relationship with the ownership is uh, has been fucked up. It's always fucked there up. There was a report it's that it's beyond repair and that is no way that he's signing back. And so when you hear things of this nature and they don't get addressed. Right. Because something that egregious. I mean, things come out about LeBron every day. Different scenarios and rumors about everything. So I get it. You don't have to respond. But something to that magnitude, that egregious. There's something there. Where, yes, we're a time where there's turmoil in your franchise because players who are there don't want to be there and then now you have the best player on the team that can attract other players is now doesn't have a relationship or ownership. I mean, that, to me, makes them sound like the Knicks. Yeah. But only they're winning. Right. And that's the only difference. And like someone said to me, I see Cleveland being back in the lottery in three or four years, and not because of the, the first-round pick that they got from Boston, but because that's where the team is headed. And it makes you think that without this transcendently great player in LeBron James, where would Cleveland be? Would Cleveland would apart. just be another team in the lottery because if you look at it, if they get the first-round pick this year, and I mean the upcoming draft, they would have 50% of the first-round picks since 2011. So it's like where exactly would this franchise be without LeBron? And so I think in him knowing that and him seeing that, he's like, okay, now I can I can spread my wings and go somewhere else because my work here is done. And for all the talk about LeBron being the GM and
0: LeBron having so much say in how the roster is constructed, you know, he, he basically praised uh, David Griffin a lot, right? And say, I, I think he's a great GM. I'm really happy that he's here and ownership decided not to keep him. So, you know, that's just kind of like a canary in the coal mine saying, like, something's not quite right here because if your superstar loves your GM... And ownership's like, eh, we could do without him. Something there's some dysfunction there. There's something ego. not really working there, and there's this like, yeah, there's this ego. ego game going on. I, I think of I mean, like, oh, oh, so it's, you like it's, him? This well, all ego. You
1: know. I, I feel like because when someone comes along and you have to share the credit with them, because there's no way Cleveland gets a ring without David Griffin. It's impossible, and so it's like now you have Dan Gilbert who doesn't want to give I am hope I'm thinking I feel like he didn't want to give David Griffin any more power. Or money. That's what he was seeking right. when he when he interviewed for the Knicks. He wanted to be the president, president bringing his own. Exactly, staff, exactly. Sort of so thing. I think he wanted the keys right. to the franchise which would allow him to do the things that he wanted to do. And he was taking him he was taking them in a great direction. So I feel like, you know, that he only could build off of his success. I mean three straight years in the finals, granted it's all predicated on LeBron coming back, but just to get him back, add to be able to add these pieces, I think it all plays into the type of GM that he is. And so the fact that you don't bring him back and he was Kyrie's number one supporter. You need someone in your organization to be able to see everything going on and say, Okay, wait. We have this great player over here. Let's play around him exactly. long term. And then we have this other great player over here who, who needs, may not be met, but you know what? I'm going to give him the reassurance. I'm going to tell him that it's things that, you know what I'm saying, that we're doing for him to let him know that we value him as a player. And then when that is going, that voice is gone. it's like, where's the certainty for for Kyrie Irving in this situation? So And I think I mean, a big part of leave, that. Is like the the struggle between
0: ownership not wanting to pay any more in salary for any more players. I mean, what right? Do because to if, if you had if you had David Griffin with LeBron's support, they're going to start trying to find other guys who are going to fit in here. And if ownership says no, we already overspent on Tristan Thompson. We already signed J.R. Smith and Iman Shumpert to nice contracts. We already brought in all these bets and that's it, we've spent the money, we're not spending any more, then David Griffin can't really do his job if that's the directive from on high. And there's no way in hell ownership says, yeah, here's the keys, go make some long-term decisions and spend more money if the buck stops at the current level of salary. So it's all this power dynamic of ownership saying, no, LeBron, we don't just do whatever you want. And LeBron saying, oh, okay, is that how it is? then yeah. I guess we're not going to set up a successful culture exactly. here. And I guess we're not really planning for the future. Once that okay, gone, I understand. It's over. And I think Kyrie just saw the writing on the wall and
1: said, well, I just want to make sure I'm not last, so maybe I should be first. I mean, and also, it, it kind of, now Kyrie doesn't have to make that decision later on to say, okay, well, where else do I want to go? Where else do I want to play? And have it looked upon like he's going against Braun now. You just, you know what? We're on different sides now and we're going to see what happens but who do you think who do you think won the deal like or is there a winner or did they break even i feel like they
0: both won because they have different goals and they're in different situations so cleveland with this screwed up relationship with ownership lebron is still here for one year he still wants to win the championship this year he's not going to half ass it he's going to go all out this year to try to win the championship this year now, at the same time, ownership is should be planning for after that. If LeBron is just going to leave in free agency, like he did last time because he has no trade clause and you can't just trade him, then you need to start planning for the future. You need to cut salary, yes. and you need young assets to start building around. And You have Kyrie Irving, this young asset, who you thought you could build around in that scenario, but he's demanding to be traded. So, The the, the rational thing for Cleveland to do long-term is to get assets for the future and say, fuck right now, it doesn't matter. We're trying to plan for the future. At the same time, (laughs) they got to the NBA Finals. They have a puncher's chance of winning. They're an injury away from being the champions. So if you told me Mm -hmm. that Cleveland could get a top five pick for Kyrie and not really get worse and still have basically the same chance to win the championship as they do right now with Kyrie I feel like Cleveland won that deal considering the situation they're in because to really win the deal long term you don't take Isaiah Thomas probably you take more young assets right and you just you just blow it up and you get more picks and if you're trying to win the championship right now then you don't get any future assets, right? And you don't get that Brooklyn pick. So somehow in this screwed up situation of trying to win next year and then be flexible enough to blow it up immediately after and plan for the future, I feel like Cleveland got a pretty good deal that satisfies both of those conditions. Now, Boston is is looking for the future. They had a, a top draft pick in Tatum. They signed Gordon Hayward, who is a young guy. They have Jalen Brown, who's a yes. young guy. They have Marcus Smart, who's a young guy. I mean, really, the only major vet that they have is Horford. That's maybe, maybe you call Morris a... Uh, uh, right. He's, he's now on the vet side. Right. Uh, but, but basically, most of your team is young and emerging. And yes. Kyrie Irving fits in perfectly with that. You're not going to beat Golden State. So what? You're planning for three years from now, for five years from now, when those guys are a little older... You add one or two or three more pieces, and now it's Boston's turn again. And so you get a chance to get a guy like Kyrie Irving, right? Once when, a generation type player. When when Isaiah Thomas is going to be a free agent after this season, so you're going to have to pay him $30 million a upwards, year. Upwards of $30 million Right? Is that year. really what you want to do and lock into this team long term and then not have any flexibility? Do you know who you're going to get in the draft next year? I mean... Brooklyn, for for all their screw-ups of the last few years, they've put together a somewhat respectable roster. They have they least. have an
1: NBA roster this year, yeah. actually. Looking at them from top to bottom, they have players who can actually compete. Last year, it's like they were putting the younger players out there or just trading away all the picks. And the writing was on the wall for them to tank, which I respect. But actually, this year, even with getting rid of Brook Lopez, they did bring back some pieces that can actually say, OK, well, they're going to be an NBA team this year and not win. 17 games i project them to win at least maybe 26 27 games and be in a range to get like maybe the sixth or seventh pick right so now you would initially consider this kind of asset the brooklyn pick to be
0: a potential number one pick it no longer really looks like it is that sort of thing and even if it was what are you looking to get out of that well you're kind of looking to get a kyrie irving out of that kind of pick. Exactly. Well, it, instead of taking a gamble on maybe a Kyrie Irving and maybe exactly. a, a marginal starter, let's right. just turn that into him right now. He's he's super young. Exactly. And so there, you cannot say that Cleveland lost this deal. There's no way you can say that Cleveland lost the deal because they were about to be locked in to a roster that probably can't win the championship. Right. Short term or long term. Right. They've turned that into a super promising roster is obviously not going to win this year, but is in a great position three years from now. So, in a really weird way, both teams won. Yes, yes. Because both teams, I'm in agreement with that. Were in different circumstances and yes. looking for
1: different things. And they, and I feel like with this deal, they got both teams got what they needed. I feel like with Kyrie, Boston gets the player, another player that they need who can score, and he also gives them a chance to reevaluate their roster and where they're going in another two years which is something that Boston wanted to do. They're still, like you said, they're playing for right now, but they're still also planning for the future. And so the Warriors have another two-year window before the rest of the league catches up and they have to do something different. And so now, with that being said, at that time where the Warriors have to make more decisions about their team, Boston is right on the cusp to say, what are we going to do to either compete or to rebuild, and I think that gives them a very good chance because they had, like you said, they have to make a decision on Isaiah Thomas after the season. And I don't think that they wanted to commit to him long-term and no knock on Isaiah Thomas because he is a phenomenal talent, a phenomenal player, and I'm on par with him. not saying that he would be the greatest player if he was 6'6", but if he was 6'6", he would be one of the top players in the league. We would consider him to be on par. I think this deal would have been much different. It would have been Isaiah Thomas for Kyrie Irving straight Straight up. up. And because no picks he, exactly no because he has that talent. But there's other things that hold him back. He's a five-six guard. Nobody wants to commit upwards of 30, 35 million to a diminutive guard who honestly can't really give you anything on the defensive end. At least Kyrie is a body who can slow them down on maybe one or two plays. Isaiah Thomas, he he gets taken advantage of on the offensive end. You have to hide him way too much. But even just looking at that, I feel like this serves a purpose for both sides. And so for Cleveland, what they get is they get more bodies, which is what they need. And now they get to make decisions on other players who may not fit in with their roster because Jay Crowder allows you now to make a decision on a player like, let's say, Iman Shumpert. Do I really want to move forward with him, an inconsistent guard who can't really hit a shot, who's great on the defensive end? Could I move him? For something different that works for our team now that we have Jay Crowder who right. can hit an occasional shot and is a dog so to speak on defense and so He's and a better they, version of a two-way player exactly and they get Ziz um they get um Z- what's his name Zizek if that's how you pronounce yeah. it yeah who projected to be a really a decent player a stretch foul. and so I mean that looks good for them and then to get the pick so now Cleveland they they're in a perfect situation for Cleveland because they have a player who if it works perfect and LeBron decides to stay, and it works out with Isaiah Thomas, maybe they could keep Isaiah Thomas. And if they get to keep LeBron, it's a perfect stone for them. Yeah, and then now they have didn't really pick. lose much. Exactly. But now let's say LeBron walks. I can let go of Isaiah Thomas. His money comes off the books as well, which would have been Kyrie Irving's money. And so now I have more flexibility to chase maybe a marginal superstar who might not say I want to go to a big money market team, but may want to come and play with Cleveland. You know what I'm saying? So it gives Cleveland flexibility that they didn't have. And now it gives Boston that player that they've been seeking, that superstar power. So, I mean, I feel like in most trades, there has to be a winner and there has to be a loser sometimes. But I feel like with this trade, both teams came out pretty good.